Monday, everybody. Welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. Follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. Follow me at the Dan Urban. Follow the podcast at Couchside Judges. And subscribe to us on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, everywhere you listen. All those places. And you know what? Listen everywhere. Listen seven times this week, please. We love it. It'd be great. <laughs> and as always, we talk judging and MMA, so make sure you read that criteria. Sir, we had a little bit of a busy weekend, my friend. A bit. It was, uh, for, for whatever reason, those uh, those in the decision-making process over at Bellator had put their Bellator versus Ryzen 2 card up at the same time as a UFC pay-per-view, um, which doesn't seem like smart business to me. But I also have a feeling that didn't come directly from people who run Bellator. That feels like a like a Showtime thing. Most likely. And, and the thing is, I had uh, I had both on. Mm-hmm. At the well, same you have the luxury. You got like four TVs yeah, and, like, and uh, a little setup there. I don't. It started with um, only what I could imagine was a terrible fight between Larkin and Koreshkov. And I, while I had Derek Lewis on the other channel, I'm like, there's, there's just no way. I mean, you can't. Even the fact that Derek Lewis's fight lasted thirty three seconds, I believe, officially thirty three mm-hmm. seconds. His celebration was at least three times longer and probably even more entertaining. Must see TV. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, unfortunately, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. But it's so disappointing when they, they have a card that, realistically, I, I actually looked at this top-to-bottom Bellator Ryzen 2 card, and the Bellator portion, it was fine. But, like, you add in the Ryzen part. I was like, this is an interesting card. There's a lot of fascinating stuff on here. And if they had put that any of the last three weekends, I think they could have stolen the weekend from the UFC, stolen the shiny. Maybe, maybe the London card, maybe not. That's tough. But very easily... The other two. The Ryzen We had it here. So so unfortunately, I definitely didn't get to watch the only split round, the only contested round that we would have been talking about from Bellator, which was in, like you said, Korshkov and and, uh, and Larkin, which was a split decision. So we're not going to be talking about that one. Yeah. Um, But the Ryzen portion wasn't even on TV. So... No, no, that was, I think that was on, I actually didn't actually look it up. It might have been on YouTube. That was kind of where I was going to guess first, but... I didn't end up getting the chance to watch it because I had to write and then, you know, hopefully sleep. So but I'll be catching that at some point. But that's not really what we're going to be talking about most of this episode, because realistically, we were watching the UFC, UFC 291. Mm-hmm. Fun great, card. Great card. Fun card. Really, really good. I don't think it was like card of the year, but it was it was good. Kind of makes me want to next year go to Utah for their card. Well, apparently they're going to be keep going so, back because Utah seems to be paying the UFC to do it. So I mean. Look, looks like a cool place to visit Salt Lake. I'm sure so. it is. I I'm not opposed to going, although and it's probably lower on my list. Head kick knockouts left and right. That's true. So. It's, every time there's a there's a main event, there is a head kick knockout to end it. That is that is the promise that they will now put in their their uh, promotional materials. Also, Kapilov's head kick that was sick too. That was a good one. Yeah, I almost put that as my favorite finish. We'll get to that mm. later, but yeah. Th- Few things coming out of this one. There, there was some. There was no title fight. There was no the the BMF belt is kind of a prize rather than a title. Although technically they're all prize. It's it's complicated. But at any rate, there are some interesting things kind of going forward out of this at least, which was just cool. Justin Gaethje, of course, getting the win, winning the BMF belt. Now he's got that. He can do what he wants with it. Put it put it on a wall or put it in his gym or whatever he wants. Um. But there's some big things waiting for him. It seems like he, if he wants to, he's got a choice. Although he already kind of made it clear which one he's leaning toward. There's he could wait for the winner of Islam Akhchev against Charles Oliveira, 
taking place in October or potentially step in if somebody falls out. That's an option, too. Or maybe he could take that Conor McGregor fight that Conor, of course, interjects himself in because, hey, he's got to keep himself relevant somehow, right? So he tweets out there, oh, yeah, I want to fight him. Yeah. A fight that he apparently turned down uh, like five or six times, Gaethje said later on. Yeah. So the question would be, and Gaethje does not sound particularly interested in this, especially he's, he said he doesn't want to fight somebody on steroids. That's right, yeah. That was one thing he pointed out. I'm sure you could convince him, depending on what happened. But what should Justin Gaethje do? Should he wait for that title fight, or should he go for the Connor fight? Should. Should? I would. I mean, I would go for the, the title fight, I think. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like... It doesn't, I mean, he said he could be interested in it, but it doesn't seem like he, he really cares about Conor McGregor at this point. Or the, the money thing, that comes from it? The money that comes from it, I mean, is it still the same money? Probably. I'm, I'm sure it's a lot of yeah. money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Realistically. So that's the, that's the thing, just how, uh, weigh the money. And also probably an easy payday, too. It's uh, probably. <laughs> he would crush Conor. I, I have no problem saying that right now. He would crush Conor. Conor would so, get hurt. So, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to see him weighing in in Abu Dhabi as the backup. If, yeah, for that, it well, would make sense. Like, um, that—that's it. I mean, I—I th- I think he would—he would—he should go for the title. Like, you know what? Realistically, the title fight is before the Connor fight because Connor's still not even back. Oh yeah, we don't even know when yet. that's going to so, happen anyway. Yeah, I think I think it's a quicker route. He can fight Islam and then he can fight Connor if they—they're just going to throw him a title shot after that. I mean, nobody seems so. even convinced that we're going to get this this whole Connor McGregor against Michael Chandler fight. Oh, that's not happening. No, but apparently Connor moved not. on from this. Yeah, probably. This whole season of tough is for for nothing. Well, that would make so. sense. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> passing fancy, I imagine. Uh, and and we already had two. <laughs> the other half of that, Michael Chandler talking about. Oh yeah, looks like congratulations to Justin Gaethje on winning the BMF belt. Yeah. I guess you're gonna have to defend that. I wonder if there's anyone around. Hmm. He puts out there, <laughs> and just and uh, Dustin Poirier replies with a with a cute uh, quote tweet saying, uh, "Shut your bitch. You know, yeah. We'll have to bleep that, but... Come on, Scott! I know, I know, I'm the oh, worst. I'm don't. the worst. We're getting this... Uh, you know what, bitch isn't a bad word. I'm leaving it in. <laughs> it's Apple, in the dictionary. Apple's gonna yell at us. It's in the di- I don't even care. They're All not right. gonna, gonna say anything. That's fine, that's fine. Well, you know. But at any rate, It's a yeah. quote. <laughs> it's, that doesn't mean anything. It's a quote. You could quote a lot of hate speech, my friend. It's a quote. <laughs> anyway yeah I, I mean i would agree i think he's he's got to do the title fight it's it's the only thing that really it seems it seems more guaranteed that he'll get the title fight than he'll get the connor fight realistically just go with the, just go with the title fight yeah you're gonna make and it's what he wants anyway. and he wants to be the champion i'm sure he'd love money but and the people around him would also i, be happy I still that, think but. it'd be similar money no that comes with the belt no i don't That's think it. so i don't imagine so disagree he, still, he can't he can't command the same money as connor but I, I think he could still get money out of that he can negotiate a higher rate potentially yeah. although at the same time can he because connor could just be like eh, i could just fight somebody else i guess i mean i don't and think the ufc connor, probably knows that too so connor's not fighting that's true anyway um as far as dustin though dustin poirier I don't think he comes out of this looking worse or anything, but it is, it's is—it's obviously a big setback in terms of him trying to get back to potentially winning that undisputed lightweight title that he's been chasing, uh, that Justin Gaethje's been chasing too. But it's a step back. What does he do here? Because he's saying he doesn't really want to fight up and comers. So I think that rules out guys like Henato Moicano, who are like maybe the, the lower part of that top 15 in the UFC. Um, there's only so many guys that he hasn't really fought in the top part. That could probably qualify for the fight he's looking for. Who, who do you want to see him fight? Well, 
I mean, do we count as Fazeev as an no, up-and-comer? No, no. He's right there. He's so, he's in the rankings. He's in the higher part of the rankings. So, then, yeah, play him. Play, I like that one, too. That was the Fazeev. one I was going to pick. So I think that one has the potential to be a fun fight, too. And I think he does get up for guys who are going to, like, really fight and not necessarily just kind of ground it out, you know? We don't know what would happen, let's say, against uh, Matush Gamrot or Armand Sarukian, who are also kind of right there in that rankings region, right? They're all right next to each other. But I think of the three, that's the one that seems, not only is it the highest ranked in the UFC, for whatever that's worth, Mm -hmm. it's also, I think, the most potential for fun. Yeah, that should be a good fight. So that's, that would definitely be the one I single out. I hope that is next, actually. I think that's the only one. Does Fizayev, I can't talk, does he have a fight booked coming up? I can't remember. We can check. We could. But should we? But as as That's of always uh, the question. I mean, would, would Dariush not make sense either? I mean, they both coming off a loss there. I think Dariush would also be interesting. I I think that'd be perfectly fine. So yeah, I, I could get behind that one too. Mm. But but yeah, I, I actually I do like the Physio one. I just think that has more potential for fun. I guess. Yeah, I don't think there's anything booked yet for him for him yet. So. Yeah, why not? Although who knows, you know, depends on when Justin Gaethje wants or uh, Dustin Poirier wants to get back in there. Um, I don't think he's trying to keep a a light schedule. He has sort of kept a light schedule the last couple mm. of years, but I think part of that is he wasn't getting the fights that he was hoping for, and like things wouldn't come together. Yeah. So I don't know that it was entirely his choice, but and I mean, even when I asked him the other day when I interviewed him, he was he was more or less like, you know what, I you know as as I'm getting older, like it's it's okay that this is like this, but I, I'm I like to fight, you know. So yeah. But it's nice that he, you know, we're not going to be rid of Dustin Poirier yet. I think there was Moicano actually had put out, uh, and he's Dustin's teammate. He had put it out there, floated the idea that hey, the loser of this fight, I bet you they retire. And that doesn't seem to be happening here. So That's at least is that no, 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 I didn't think so anyway. But, but yeah, you know, I even asked Dustin about that too, and he said, "Look, you know, as long as I still like to fight, I'm going to fight." You know, yeah, he's going. I, I, I think... took that to mean he wasn't ready to walk away no matter what. And no, I, th- like I think it's case. he can. He's at a place where if he wants to walk away, he can. But he doesn't yeah, want to. I'd imagine so, so. He doesn't have to fight for money. Do, are you giving up on the idea of him getting back to that undisputed title shot, Poirier? Well, yeah, he would have had to win last night. Do you think it's over, like straight up over, no matter what happens? I don't see him beating anybody. Okay, for the that that would get him to the title. Fair enough. Interesting. So, uh, there of course was another big fight right before this uh, in the light heavyweight division. We had Alex Pereira coming up from one eighty five, getting the win over Jan Blahovich. Close fight. Kind of started off more interesting, and then kind of as it as it got on, we got the uh, a little bit more of maybe the altitude coming into play. Gassed. Gassed. Super pretty gassed. hard. Um, and that's atypical for Jan Blachowicz. We've seen him fight five rounds. Right. Yeah. You know, he definitely did slow down a little bit in his last fight against Magomed Ankalaev, but it was to a much lesser degree, and it was by round four, mm-hmm. as opposed to round... Well, he he was on the uh, he was on the Anthony Rumble Johnson gas tank here about seven eight yeah. minutes and he was done, <laughs> yeah. uh, which was unfortunate for him and he obviously didn't get the win. But split decision because as we saw in the third round and we'll talk about that third round shortly for contested rounds, uh, the gas was kind of let off a little bit I think from Pereira and I'm thinking maybe he slowed down too. You know he sold it a lot better, but I think he sl- sl- I think he definitely slowed down in a similar way. <laughs> Nonetheless, he gets the win. He jumps everyone here at the, the division. He basically just moves right up near the top. Does he actually fight next for that vacant belt against Yuri Prohaska? Has to. I think so. Has to. I think so, too. There's nobody else there. I think so. I, I mean, the only other person you could say 
is Magomed and Goliath again, who's coming off the draw against Jan Blahovic, but we also have a fighter now who actually got the win over Jan Blahovic. So I would think not only that, he's been active. Yeah. On Goliath, we haven't seen. He's got no fight booked. Yeah. I don't know if he's still mad about the way the scoring works, because that seems to be the case with a lot of these guys. When they lose or draw, they're like, God, I hate the scoring now. I don't want to fight anymore. Okay, don't fight then. Yeah. Whatever. I don't know. I'm sure he'll actually fight again, but you know. I, I think this is really the only fight that makes sense, and I, and it's an interesting fight, but just maybe make it at sea level. Yeah, that, that would... <laughs> let's, let's do more sea level fights. That's the other thing about keep these. Keep it at sea level. <laughs> Even Kane suffered above sea level. He did. Sea level Kane so, is a monster, though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is the mythical fighter, right? Um, I mean, Pahana didn't seem that bad, though. He seemed like he could have still went. He was, he wasn't. But he slowed down a lot, and he was crushing it by the end of round two. He didn't pick up that momentum in any way. We and and honestly, and we'll talk about this soon. Yeah. But I I have some I have some interesting thoughts on on round three at least. I don't okay. I don't you know I think you know my score, but I yeah. still have some thoughts on that. So. Right. But we could save that for in, in just a moment too, because we want to talk real quick about Derek Lewis, mm-hmm. the man who's uh, who, whose nether regions got a little too warm <laughs> once again. I don't know why they got so you know heated up. He was he was only fought for like thirty three seconds. It was before he got the <laughs> knockout a uh, victory over. Marcos Rogerio de Lima. Mm-hmm. Is that the quickest win of Derek Lewis' UFC career? I think it is. Probably. I mean, that was it was over right away. Yeah, it was. So. I mean, the flying knee and <laughs> it's just done. No, I can't believe it. And, he, and he's like, ah, I didn't, no, that wasn't planned at all. Yeah, I'd... <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. I could also believe him maybe being a little coy. Maybe. You know? Yeah. Maybe, maybe it was part of the plan. And he's just kind of, he's playing it up a little bit. I think he knows how to ham it. I think we know yeah. that. We, we like Derek Lewis. <laughs> um. The question I would have, though, is, is it time for the most anticipated rematch? Well, that's what I would do. all time against Francis Ngannou. That's what I would do. And I would say, hey, Francis, let's do this. <laughs> he should. But I'm going to sign a one-fight deal with PFL. Give me that two mil. I'm going to beat you. And then I'm going to go back to UFC. I don't imagine the PFL will agree to that. Uh, but, I mean, that's what I would say. That's fine. But, like, they're not going to just give him a one-fight deal. But... I imagine if they really wanted to, they could throw enough money at Derek Lewis, who I I have thought of Derek Lewis as a mercenary for a long time. I think he's be- made it clear that he's out there for the money. Oh, he's yeah. very much out for the, which is, I mean, he should be, realistically. Get your money and get out. Um, But yeah, it, I think he could command a very good price that PFL would realistically have to pay. They're going to give him the $2 million that Francis said his opponents get. He's going to win, and then he's going to stay on a super high... Uh salary yeah i would so. think he can still make good money out there too because he, he's fun i mean he'll draw attention to their to their brand there mm-hmm. and again there is no way that the rematch between Derek lewis and francis Ngannou is worse than the first one you get <laughs> guaranteed to have a better fight it can't possibly be worse that, that this is very true so <laughs> so that's why that's why it's got to be the most anticipated because there's no way to go down it's perfect yeah, you have to do this because <laughs> that fight was awful i kind of want to watch that again Oh, I don't. I, I, I do. I kind of do. Mostly, just like now that I've, you know, we we've obviously come into a better understanding of scoring and that kind of thing. So I'm cu- I'm just curious. I remember hating that fight, and I remember also losing focus of that fight. But I'm curious to see how we'd feel about the 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 number of strikes landed in this fight. You could probably count them on your hand. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was. It's probably Lewis, realistically. But I'm just kind of curious about it. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, sometimes I don't like myself, so I'll just watch things oh, yeah, that maybe yeah. aren't fun. <laughs> Um, the unanimity report, because we're going to get over to contested rounds now, uh, at the UFC, only 15 rounds to score. We had a lot of, you know, 
shorter fights. Not so much uh, going on here as far as the scoring, but we had 10 out of 15 unanimous, so only two out of three. A little less than, than the the typical percentage, but I think it was perfectly fine. I think they did a, a solid job there. One of these fights was also an 8-9 split. So. Yeah. Anytime you have that, that's always different, right? Mm-hmm. Bellator side, uh, which again, Bellator only counts in terms of the fact that they were fighting in the cage under the unified rules mm-hmm. for those first five fights. And then mm-hmm. after that, they, they fought under the rising rule set. So we're only going to look at the percentage-wise for the Bellator one. And that is, uh, they were unanimous on seven out of eight rounds. So 87.5%, obviously a very small slice here. But, you know, that's that's kind of what you're looking for. There's no 8-9 splits. Yeah. It was just one, like I said, one split round in, uh, it was the third round of Larkin and Korshkov, which we're not going to talk about because I can't get access to it yeah, on Showtime. We don't have access to that, so they haven't put it up. we can't watch it. Yeah, they uh, haven't put up the, the old, uh, or the, the past fight. It's not like ESPN. ESPN puts up their fights in like 10 minutes. Yeah, instantly. You can watch an individual fight, not just the whole card, but an individual fight. And you rewind. Showtime. You can't rewind. Live TV. And they usually take at least a day to put up the whole event. So, as much as we would have liked to, and we did try to look into watching that last round of Bellator, which took place at the same time as UFC, we just couldn't. Sorry. It is what it is. Um, But on that card, you had... had Mike Bell, Sal D'Amato. Uh, what else was out there in Japan? Brian Miner. Brian Miner was there. Terry Hatley judged, too. He judged and refed. I saw that. Mm-hmm. So they had, they had a solid crew, which meant Salt Lake City only had five judges to work with. They did. For they the did. whole event. Yes. Um, three of them were traveling judges. We ended up with uh, Janice Rokamijo, Ron McCarthy, and Derek Cleary. And then there were a couple of local judges. Uh, Steve Farragher? Farragher? and uh dan first so they the the five of them handled what ended up not being a terrible workload as far as the actual scored number of rounds so that a blessing right yes um but nonetheless uh that was that was just the way the cookie crumbled there but yeah let's let's get into contested rounds like i said we only five so let's start off with uh pereira and blahovich right split decision 29 28 all around two for pereira one for blahovich round one was blahovich Mm-hmm. He had, you know, good worked methodically to get that takedown and and worked well from the back. And, and I think it was a good round for him. And then couldn't quite get it done in the second round as he started to slow down. But I had a really came down, uh, came on late in that round to take that. So round three is where we are split. And I should point out, Dan, did you see this? Jan Blahovich says he was robbed. I saw him very upset. He was very I mean, upset, but he also said later yeah, he was robbed. He was robbed probably because he thinks that last takedown meant a lot more than it did. I think he probably did. Yeah. But uh, all right. you you explain what happened in this round. We'll I think I think it's decently close on the feet. Jan does land some pretty good shots, a couple combos throughout that round. But I think the more effective shots are coming from the Pajeda side. Um, and like I said, the late takedown doesn't really factor much because Jan doesn't do much. What he doesn't pass the guard. He just sits there, head down in the chest, and, and, and just kind of basically he only landed runs like the one clock. or two real strikes from uh, there. I think he landed one or two, but it wasn't enough. I thought Pajeda had a small lead at this point, uh, and Jan just didn't close it. I think Pajeda takes it. Uh, it is quite close, though. So It's so cool. This, watching this round was very strange to me because... I didn't. It doesn't look like Blahovich is doing well. It doesn't. But for like two or three minutes, maybe I can't. I couldn't tell you exactly how long it was. But for through two or three minutes, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, Blahovich is actually winning this round. Mm-hmm. I really thought he was ahead. 
But then you started to see much more of Pereira really putting it on, and it was like, okay, well, he, the, the difference in strikes is there. He's just actually landing them now. Um, so I think he absolutely did take the lead, and yeah, I don't think anything that Bohovic did that takedown or what happened thereafter was enough to push back the other way. And that's unfortunate for for both of them, really, because Blahovich realistically looked like he was doing well and he just couldn't do it anymore. And then Pereira, you're like, why isn't he doing more? That just mm-hmm. I couldn't understand why he wasn't doing more. And that's why I think, OK, maybe he was slowing down. And he just sold it a little better, you know, could be. That's the only thing that made <clears throat> sense to me. So but nonetheless, yeah, I, I sided with uh, with Pereira here. So did you. Uh, so did Derek Cleary and Ron McCarthy. It was Junichiro Cremillo who was split off seeing this one for below, which I don't think it's crazy to go there, especially depending on where you're seated in a round like that. There's not that many strikes landing. Yeah, it's, realistically. it's fine. There's, there's it's no not the highest there. of output rounds, you know. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't have an issue here. I don't think in any way Blahovich was robbed. Uh, I think that's unfortunate that he feels that way, but you know, it, it was a big fight for me. He had a lot riding on this one, and it didn't go his way, and that's just the way it was. And it stinks, too. He came out to Salt Lake City much earlier. He was mm-hmm. trying to adjust. And he told me, like, in the beginning it was tough, but then he started to get get acclimated. But, man, I think they said it well on the broadcast. Like, the, the grappling, the, mm-hmm. the takedowns and everything, I think that wore him down pretty yeah. well. It was probably harder to take down Pereira than they had thought it might be. Well, here's the thing. He was hanging on him. It's not like they were on the ground and he had the body triangle where he doesn't have to balance himself up. Mm-hmm. That was, like, the whole round. He was trying to not slide off yeah so that, there's that, a lot of work involved so to keep the position and it, it worked short term but long term yeah it definitely he definitely paid for it mm-hmm. so that is unfortunate for him uh but yeah no robbery no not at all. sorry yon yeah it's just not uh moving on we'll go back over to the main event now justin gaethje of course getting the win over dustin poirier it was around to uh was it a head kick i can't remember yes, was it a head, head kick? kick oh that's yeah. right that was a head kick yeah <laughs> the, the utah head kick uh round one though was split because it was an interesting round i i liked i was kind of interested in the scoring of this round as i was in the moment i was like this is, there's some interesting things going on here so let's talk about round round one Jeez, what a close round i i thought gaethje did really well with the light kicks yeah he landed a ton of them uh, Poirier did not look like he was taking him well, even if this was the way he, it was a bad optic, the way his leg is getting swung around, body's getting turned. Uh, and every time that he would like absorb the kick, not, I mean, not every time, but every, like a bunch of times he would absorb that leg kick and you see him like adjust his shorts or yeah. something like that. It was, and it felt like kind of like a, all right, shake it off kind of thing, you know? Well, that, that supposedly that short thing is, is a Dustin Poirier like thing. Like, he, is that really? I he rolls, that. he rolls up his shorts and now he's like, now he's like, Ugh time to grit down and go but i i took that especially because it would land it would happen like right after he would absorb like a good leg kick you mm. knew it was good and it was like okay he he absolutely felt that one yeah uh, poirier starts hit landing upstairs he landed a, a good damaging shot to the eye uh seemed to bother justin's eye a bit that's right uh it was a little swollen uh but i think gaichi was landing with that left hand uh over the top right the top it was good it was a good round <laughs> just good good round a lot of fun uh, i was like am i supposed to be scoring this right now or should i just enjoy it um but yeah it's very close i think gaichi landed the, the better ones upstairs uh tough one uh but i'm 10-9 gaichi i also went 10-9 gaichi here I, I was very torn i i i was definitely early on I, I my pendulum was swinging back to gaichi because of those kicks and then i started to push toward Poirier with with the hands landing in that kind of the middle to late portion of the mm. round and then you saw less of it as as Gaethje was able to land both downstairs and upstairs and I think that was that was what ultimately swung it back 
that mm-hmm. way for me. But man, this is this is close. This one could go either way. I think R- very realistically, uh, there's enough offense. There's a good argument to be made for either man. I just I, I feel good about my Gaethje pick. Yeah, me too. So I'm gonna stick with it. Um, and that means we ended up signing with uh, Judge Camillo here instead of Judges Cleary and McCarthy. So what does that mean for Janichiro Camillo? Catch that over. <laughs> That's a good one. I felt good coming out. The, yeah. the, 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 you know, we're recording earlier in the day than we usually yeah. do, like you said. And uh, yeah, I feel like I've got the energy for it. That's good. That's yeah, yeah. Nice, good, good <laughs> bullhorn. Let's move on. We've got two rounds to talk about in our next fight. Bobby Green getting the win over Tony Ferguson. Uh, he gave uh, he gave Tony a little nap right mm-hmm. before the end of the fight. Round three submission by arm try technical submission by arm try to choke. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're gonna talk about both of the rounds that happened before this. And well, you know, one of them's one of them's an eight nine split, one of them's the winner. Let's talk about round one. Good round. I think Bobby landed uh pretty good early. Uh and then Ferguson stings him a couple times. One that sends him to the ground. I didn't feel like this was like a like a knockout. I felt more like bad foot position off a kick. Uh and more so Bobby had no footing under him after getting hit. Uh he popped right back up. Uh final minute. Green started landing some pretty heavy shots, getting big reactions out of Ferguson. It's close uh, because of that moment that Ferguson had, but I think it's green, 10-9. I do too. I, I think there, you know, I saw some people discussing this on uh, on social, and the thinking seemed to be that it's like, well, there's a knockdown, so you got to do that. And, I, and I'm and i not saying you can't give it to Ferguson here. I, I think Ron McCarthy was the one who gave it to Ferguson. I think it's a, it's a perfectly defensible score, right? Mm-hmm. But I think the idea that, well, there's that knockdown. Got to do it. There's just no way. I that almost feels like some somebody took the test that that one that was put out by MMA Fighting mm-hmm. earlier in the week from uh, Steve Morocco mm-hmm. had worked. It felt like they took the test and they said, "Well, now I have an absolute idea of what's supposed to be happening in these scenarios." And I even when I took that, t- I don't want to go deep into that one, but um, I like the idea of it. I'll, I'll say, but I, I, parts of the execution I wasn't a huge fan of. But it felt like there was a lot of absolutism with certain elements of that test that there, there was that was that was my biggest issue with yeah. it yeah there was it, there was no gray area i mean i talked to one judge who who actually scored that you know a judge that of of let's say of note uh took that test and scored one of the fights and were told they were wrong <laughs> and i was like all right well, this is stupid <laughs> exactly, yeah. i part of the problem was again that absolutism was put there rather than you know, saying, hey, there, there's a couple ways that we can look at this. It was like, well, no, you're wrong. You're wrong. And that's not really the case. I mean, yes and no. You know, sometimes there is some absolutism, but not, not in that one. Anyway, to get back to here. Yeah, I, I just I don't think that you just say, well, the knockdown. So that's it. That's not the way it works. If you just say, well, we're scoring the high point of the round, then you don't have to do anything. You know, that if that's what scoring is, that's fine. But that's not what's written down in the criteria. Yeah, just, you know? just get the high point. And you auto auto win. Yeah, I mean, that, <laughs> technically speaking, that would probably make it easier on everybody to oh, score yeah. if they just did that. But then they'll just be arguing high points. It. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, that's not that's not how things work. So you know, again, I think it's it's perfectly defensible to give it to Ferguson here because you know it is a higher moment in the round, and and it's not like it's the only thing he does. But yeah, I think Green, I think Green's landing more solidly and consistently throughout. Like if you were to say, okay, Ferguson had the high point. I'll bet you the next five or six are green. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? If yeah. we're, Let's say we're to rank the, the highest points of that round. So I, I feel good about my green score here. Also, I want to point out how dumb the stats are. John Anik re- reports like a minute into the fight. Neither, According to our stats, neither fighter has, uh, has, cre- has been credited with a significant strike. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I mean, I watched like 10 strikes get landed already. <laughs> it's just... What are we doing here? 
Yeah, the, there's so, some major, I think there's some issues with um, the UFC's stat tracking that need reform on the whole. Yeah, just throw it out. <laughs> well, that could be too. Um, but yeah, so I, like I said, I had it for green. You had it for green, right? Yeah. 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 So uh, so we agreed with uh, Judges Farher and uh, and Cleary. But again, Ron McCarthy going, going off on his own. Being the rogue. Not not really a rogue. He just was on his own. That's okay. Round two. This was this was the one where we're talking about degree. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Green was dribbling Ferguson's head off the ground. Uh, from from inside Ferguson's guard, heavy hammer fists. And on the feet, I thought he outstruck Ferguson pretty good. Uh, Tony was kind of frantic the whole time, looking for a triangle. It looked, it, I don't know. He was just. I don't know what he was doing. He was just going crazy. Um. If someone went eight, I'd say, eh, I could see a case for it, but I, I like the nine better. I don't think there was any, like, dominance, uh, but I, I think the damage is there. I just don't think the damage is good enough on its own, um, but like I said, he was dribbling Ferguson's head off the ground, so, I mean, I, I see the case for it, but I went nine. Yeah, there were moments where I was like, oh, is this an eight, but also it was just kind of moments, and it felt fleeting enough to me that, based on what we typically look at as an eight, that this wouldn't have been an eight. Mm. That's just the way I saw it. I, you know, I, I'm I'm good with this being, this is like an eight and a half, easy. You yeah. know, or, or, or a CSJ-8, mm-hmm. one where we're not seeing a very competitive Tony Ferguson, but also one that's maybe not getting beaten pillar to post. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, you know, that middle ground there, I feel like, again, I still feel like we need another tool. and there, there needs to be something. You want to call it eight and a half, fine. You want to do, like I say, where we just kind of adjust the numbers we have, fine, whatever. I just, I want, I want three tools instead of two to measure around. Mm-hmm. That's, that's when it comes down to it. Call it what you want, A, B, and C. I don't care. But anyway, this this is a B, A, B, and C. This yeah. is the B. But I also lean more to the to the to the nine here in this case. So that means we sided with the let's say the traveling judges in in Cleary and McCarthy. It was the local judge Farher who had the uh, the eight here. But yeah, I don't hate it. But I, I'm sure they probably talked about it and kind of discussed. Hey, is this the type of thing that we're looking for? That kind of thing. I don't, who knows? You never know. But uh, it's it's nice when. When you get some traveling judges that can work with, especially local judges here who got a lot of assignments. Yeah. There were well, there, there, no there was enough to go around. Yeah. There was really no choice. Exactly. So I, I think it ended up working uh, working pretty well. Mm-hmm. One more round here. Roman Kopilov. Took a while for us to get to any contested rounds here because there was a lot of early finishes. Roman Kopilov got the second round knockout victory via, like you said, head kick. Uh, <laughs> head kick Utah, right? Mm-hmm. It, should, it should change the name of the town. Salt Lake City is just now. I think they were calling it Head Kick City. Head Kick City? Yeah. Okay. HKC. I like that. Um, yeah, Kapalov got the win over Claudio Ribeiro. But round one round one is, was a little interesting, especially because of what happened later in the round. But why don't you just explain what happened? Yeah, I, th- I thought Kapilov was kind of cruising until the final 40 seconds. You know, when Ribeiro turns it on, lands heavy shots, has Kapilov hurt. Uh, I do think he steals the round because of that. But Kapilov was doing quite well prior to this. Uh he, he stung Ribeiro with, with a couple of them. Um, he had the more, I think Ribeiro had the more impactful, closer to finishing the fight shots. It's a close round. Um, going with Ribeiro, 10-9. Man, I was really close to actually sticking with Kapilov here, too. Because, yeah, when, when, when Ribeiro comes on, first off, in my head, I'm like, why are we talking this round? <laughs> exactly. There's like a minute left in this round. I'm like, what? What is going on here? What happened here? What did this local judge see? You know, because <laughs> I, I actually this was the one round that I had to catch up on later. And uh, man, I definitely flipped. I flipped like you did. I went, I went to Hibero. I think, I think he does enough to push the needle way back over very quickly. Um, but man, there, there's some merit to to Kapilov here. I really do. Do you agree? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I think, I think just because we have so much happening, but again, the, the high point here is. Obviously, with Hibero, 
and we did side that way. But I think the high point was to such a high degree that you, you kind of almost couldn't ignore it, at least in my assessment. Yeah, I thought Capulot was hurt. But, but yeah. So, But again, he doesn't do much more the rest of the round, so it's always a tough situation yeah. here. So, yeah, I, I think it's... I like rounds like this. They're interesting. Yeah. Well, that's what the thing with Green... I don't think Green was hurt when he got... He just went down. Yeah, and exactly. he popped right back up. That's the thing that you gotta... People gotta remember is it's not just what happened. Did he get knocked down? It's well, what effect did that have toward getting him toward the end of the fight? Like, is mm-hmm. is Green diminished now because of it? Or did it just knock him down? Yeah, you know? he's not diminished. Though. The diminishment, I think, is what we're really looking for, if I understand judging mm-hmm. theory right, you know? Um, and I think there is more of that going on from Hibero to Kapilov. Right. You know? So yeah, I'm I'm with you. We saw Ferrero, just like uh, Junichiro Camillo and Steve Varaher. It was Dan first local judge who saw it for Kapilov. So even the local judges were split on this one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's perfectly fine. I think we had some good judging going on in Utah. Not as much of it necessary, but nonetheless, I think I think they did a fine job, and I think everything worked out for the best. Mm-hmm. I, as I understand, there was another judge who was supposed to make it out there and uh, was unable to make it. it, it was okay. Difficulty. So it was. Uh, I think everything worked out for the best. Yeah, they had, they had a good card. Yeah. Um, and like I said, we were going to talk about Bellator. I have it on a little outline here. We are not going to talk about it. I can also say, I can just point out that uh, in round three, or excuse me, round two, round two is a split here. Um, it was uh, Korshkov got two out of three judges, Sal D'Amato and Mike Bell to see it his way. Round uh, Lorenz Larkin uh, got the score in round two and the fight from Brian Miner. So um, if you happen to uh, have the time and, and the ability if they finally posted by then, and you want to go back and watch that one, there you go. There's the info, and that is it. Though we're 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 done for contested rounds for this week. UFC, like I said, there was a lot of finishes, nine in total, four of them KO or TKO, five submissions. Finally, back to for a while we were getting way more right, subs, yeah. and then it's it's kind of normalized back to the, a lot of TKOs. But this time we do have uh, more subs than than uh, strike based finishes. I guess three of them ended in the first round. Uh, Bellator side. Two of the five fights finished uh, early. One of them was a no contest, unfortunately. The the Oraguchi versus uh, Shoryu or Shinryu. Shinryu. Mm-hmm. Um, fight got <laughs> thirty five seconds before it was an eye poke, and then it was ended. That stunk. Uh, but there was one TKO and one submission, and one of these fights ended in the first round. Ryzen, I was going to point out too, but I haven't even watched it, so I'm going to leave it out of there entirely. Of the Bellator and the UFC. Finishes we have, 11 in total. What was your favorite? Hot Balls Lewis. <laughs> Flying knee. Send him into free agency. Bring on that Inconu payday. Okay. Yeah. Hard hard to hate that one. Yeah. Where, where you at? Uh, I picked Bobby Green, who, mm-hmm. like I said, was able to call him Tony Ferguson, who was flailing all over the place. And <laughs> I, you never seen... I, I can't remember anyone trying to defend an arm triangle like that before, where they're flopping around like a dead fish. <laughs> Or a dying fish, let's say, on the sidewalk. <laughs> and all of a sudden, they just stopped moving. So you knew, you knew when he was out. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and, and, but the fact that that happened with six seconds to go is absolutely wild. Like, I don't think Tony would have waited it out even if he knew, like, if he did or did not know how much time was left in the round. I think he would have done this with yeah. if, the, if the round had started six seconds ago as opposed to there's six seconds left. But mm-hmm. it was wild. He almost made it to the bell, and he just quite didn't. <laughs> he, he just just didn't. It wouldn't have, I mean, probably probably you start thinking about a 10-8 at that point anyway. I would think so, Especially yeah. if we're already on the table with we're the, eight, the there, round yeah. before. I think this one's much better. As a, <laughs> if he somehow gets to the end, I feel like that visual alone makes you say, well, it's got to be an eight. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, and, it, it almost I points would, the number that way. I would think. Yeah, that, that was. Wild. I am. I'm looking something up real quick. What are you looking up? What do What do I have to um, kill time by talking? I just want to say, did Tony tap to Nate? What? Or did he go to sleep? Uh, I don't remember. I think it was a tap. So I'm going to put Nate. Nate, the one to tap, Tony. Okay. Admit that he was finished. <laughs> not just go to sleep with it. I don't remember. All right. So I, I'm, I'm going to go with that. All right. Fair enough. Enjoy that. Yep. Um, but that's it for the past weekend. We got to look ahead to the next weekend. And pretty much every weekend in August, we're going to have two. We're going to have like a dual weekend here. And in some cases, a triple. So we've got this weekend, PFL on Friday night. Main card starts at nine. And, and for the purposes, I think, of most people who are interested in PFL and their season format, they're probably not as interested in the prelims. There's not a whole lot of like, let's say, let's say appeal there, unless you you're familiar very specifically with some of these, you know, fighters if they have very interesting uh, fighting styles. And to be perfectly honest, I just don't know. So I left them off of my radar entirely. But we do have the featherweight semis and the light heavyweight semis. At uh, at one forty five, it's Bubba Jenkins against Jesus Pinedo, and we also have Gabriel Alves Braga against chris wade who was a late um kind of came in i believe to to step in someone else had dropped out and the name escapes me at this point but chris wade back in the playoffs that was a hard luck case too he was supposed oh wait was it it was no never mind i was gonna say it was uh brendan lofney but brendan lofney actually was just straight up out mm. yeah that was a wild thing but yeah chris wade's back in um we might even see another chris wade against bubba jenkins matchup if they both win out of here so that's kind of interesting there i don't know how much you care about i don't Okay, you don't. That's okay. I don't. I but, mean, uh, Impa Kasaganai, that's kind of interesting just because he came from the UFC, see if he can win the B- right, uh, PFL right. uh, tourney. And he's it. going against Martin Hamlet, who was the finalist last year at light heavyweight. Then they also have Josh Silvera against Ty Flores. So that's your uh, that's your bracket here for the light heavyweight semis at 205 in PFL. It's in Texas, in San Antonio. We'll get some, uh, we'll get some judges working that one. Yeah, we'll get some judges. We'll... Uh, Want to bet we're going to be talking about one of those fights? I hope not. <laughs> I hope not, too, but maybe we will be. And Realistically, if we are going to talk about PFL next week, it's probably going to be one of those fights rather than on the undercard, unless something crazy happens that we, that's kind of worth it on our radar. Typically, we're just going to focus on uh, UFC Nashville, which is also taking place the next day, Saturday. I don't remember what start time that was for the main card. Get probably nine. Ah, it could be seven. Who knows? Uh, but the headliner, of course, maybe six, is Corey Sanhagen against late replacement Rob Font, and they're going to do a hundred forty pound catch weight. I think Font was supposed to fight two weeks later against Song and Dong, so he was probably on a different weight cut schedule. And they said, okay, well, let's do it one forty. We can do one forty. So yeah, that's what we end up with. It's it's a bantamweight fight. It doesn't really matter. I don't think so. I was even talking to, to Dean Thomas the other day for uh, for something we're doing at, at New York Post, and and he was saying like realistically this this is still a bantamweight fight. Yep. It shouldn't matter. So and, I, and I'm with him. It's a good fight. We lost. I think it would have been an interesting fight against Umar Magomedov for mm-hmm. for Corey Sanhagen, but at least now we have a fight that is just as entertaining and possibly just as important for the uh, division. I would think as well. Yes, this would be a good one. What what do you, which one would you have preferred to watch if you could pick? Hmm. I probably would have went with. Uh, no, I like this one actually. I think I like this one. I think I like this one better yeah. too. Um. By the way, it is 9 p.m. start time main card. Look at me. Good job. Look at me. Look at you. Look at this guy. Um. It's in Tennessee, so uh, you know Tennessee tends to bring in some some traveling judges as well. 
and they've got a couple locals. They've got uh, uh, Anthony Manis is a local judge who also travels to Vegas, okay. so I imagine he would be on this card as well. Um, I th- I'm not worried about the judging here. Not like I am for PFL. No. Hold your breath there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, again, I, I like this card. Whenever they travel outside of the Apex now, they actually have some pretty solid cards yeah. on the whole. They, it's almost like they have to deliver, right? Right. Um, the the co-main event, I, I love this fight. Jessica Andrade against Tatiana Suarez. Um, That's good Andrade fight. has to stem the bleeding of her career, but this is a great matchup for Suarez to get herself back in the mix at 115 now that she's able to be an active fighter again. For sure. Uh, which is a blessing. She's got such a high ceiling. I think she can still be a champion. I, yeah, I agree. Um, and not you. You highlighted this one. I'm with you, Ignacio Bahamondes against Ludovic Klein at lightweight. Like that fight. Billy Quarantillo against Damon Jackson. That's a good one at 45. Jake Hadley, Cody Durden, and and uh, Odie Osborne against Asu Almabayev. Those are 125 pound mm-hmm. fights. I like both of those. How do you not like the 125 yeah. pounders realistically? Exactly. Um, and you have a note here that I I also love. Yes, great, great note. No heavyweight fights on the card. Amazing, <laughs> wonderful. It's it's almost like it's a mistake. Did they mean to do this? <laughs> Are they gonna add one like a few days from now? It's like yeah, this is gonna be our new not the Coleman, but it will go right before it. Well, the thing is, they put Tanner Bowser there. He's on the main the, card, so Tanner like, Bowser. Yeah. Who's he fighting against? Uh, Alexa Kamore. Uh, Alex. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's. It's not a heavyweight fight, but it's 205 is kind of, it's almost like you give them two rounds, right? Yeah. Round, round, <laughs> if we did that with Pereira and, and Blahovich, then that, then we wouldn't have seen their third round. Thank either. God that wasn't five rounds. Yeah. Oh my God. Although then maybe we wouldn't have robbery talk, to be honest. I mean, maybe so, not. Yeah. But whatever. Oh man, those last few rounds would have been a slog. <laughs> if, if oh, they managed to bad. get there, yeah. some, somebody would have just fallen asleep. Yeah. Someone, yeah. Re- retirement due to exhaustion or something. <laughs> something like that. Um, <laughs> And then at for our most likely contested rounds fight, I did pick a light heavyweight fight. Not that one. Uh, Dustin Jacoby against Kennedy and Zechaku. I feel like Jacoby is very easily like he's someone who could go in there and just knock the other dude out because he can hit hard. Mm-hmm. But also sometimes we've seen him in these contested rounds. So his name just kind of stuck out for me. I think it was more why I picked that one. Yeah, so we'll see. I hope I'm wrong because, again, Jacoby's able to put the lights out. I think we could get a real fun finish out of him, but we'll see. All right, that does it for this episode. We'll be back again next week to break down all these fights we just talked about. Uh, If there's contested rounds, that is. I mean, and most likely Texas will provide that. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that there's going to be at least one contested round from Texas, (laughs) but also from Tennessee because it's a numbers game, man. I mean, we don't don't get perfect days. I wish we did. That would be fun. Then we wouldn't have a show. Thanks for listening. Take care, everybody.